they're kind of young. But really, they're just angry. And yet, Mike and Ben are reasonable Republicans. What up, Young Repub crew? This is Mike in bed with episode 006. All right, let's do this. There we go. There it is. <laughs> I won't forget ever again. <laughs> um, all right. So what we want to kind of talk about today, we, we've talked about, we briefly talked about, I think in episode 002, when we talked about the First Amendment, um, but about that vertical relationship that exists within humanity. And it kind of starts, what, what got me thinking about this was that there's this professor that was featured on professorwatchlist.org or edu or .com, I can't remember. The professor, professor Watchlist, Amber Catherine. And she was an eco environmental something. I can't remember. It'll be in the show notes, but what she <laughs> did was she had her students and had a demonstration of students and faculty marrying the ocean and then having a consummation of said marriage to the ocean. And then wow. go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my my first question is just why. It's a pretty simple question. Mm-hmm. How in any way, shape, or form that makes sense beats me. I really I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, like where do you get to that? Like that's such a weird, bizarre concept, but it's like it doesn't just happen overnight. Something like that doesn't happen overnight, right? Okay, so why? Anything else that comes to your mind with that why why, why do you um, think let's, let's let's ask that why do you think that was even a thing to me probably just to make a statement i mean what benefit comes from marrying the ocean what you can't claim it as a dependent on your taxes like there's zero benefit to marrying the ocean whatsoever okay keep talking I, i'm going to pull up that uh, article so we can have some context on that but I just don't do not know. Like, is she trying it? I mean, you said she was a psychology professor. Uh, yes. Let me fact check myself here real quick. But yeah, some, some sort of psychology professor and Amber Catherine philosophy, my bad correction. Philosophy. philosophy. Amber, Amber it still Cam- doesn't make it, it still doesn't make any more sense. It doesn't matter if it's psychology or philosophy. It doesn't matter. What the hell are they thinking? Yeah, her and then a pornographic actress, Annie Spark Sprinkle, my bad, correct. Annie Sprinkle led students on an Sparkle eco- works too, I'm sure. Stripper right. name, whatever. <laughs> what they called it was an eco sex travaganza. Sex travaganza. That is what they led their students to. 
to where they just they're trying to to prove the concept the idea that you can marry whatever you want to marry let's see a rallying call it was a rallying call to inter incite intergenerational barrier busting planetary dialogue and that was a direct quote so maybe to set a set a statement it was part of an eco boot camp and that they wanted to view the earth as a lover rather than as a mother and another being rather than a separate entity oh my what university is this University of Santa Monica, California. Santa well, Monica, I can tell you California. this right now. If, if if we were affiliated with any universities or any colleges, it would not be that one. <laughs> <laughs> any university but that one. It just blows my mind. I mean, if you're trying to if you're trying to prove the earth is a, a loving, how did it state it? A loving creature, a loving a being. lover, a lover, not a mother. why okay i don't know we could <laughs> the reason why it was called mother nature in the first part is because the earth provided for those living on it provided food provided water provided shelter it nurtured the people on it hence the word mother nature and at that time mothers were looked at as the nurturer of the household and not, I don't know. We won't even get into the sexism part of it. <laughs> oh my, that but whole right, concept like, just blows my mind. <laughs> yeah, it just so that that story initially got me thinking about this vertical relationship. What do we look to for guidance? What do we look to for like power, if you will? What do we look for for meaning and? I think what happens in this instance is where people, th this is this is as close to earth worship as we can get, right? This is like as intimate a process of earth worship that a human being can have is marrying and then consummating that marriage with the ocean. That's tree hugger right. to like 2.0. But I think yeah. what it comes down to is human beings, we need a purpose, right? We need something to hope for we need something to believe in and what does that look like for some it means bearing the ocean in the normal or orthodox state it's god but in the more secular version that is the government and right. so kind of, yeah kind of going back to the first amendment the first thing in the first amendment is the freedom of religion and I think the, the founders really knew, understood that relationship of God, family, country, and how important that was. And that God can be whatever you want to believe in, but it had to be a higher being that superseded governmental superiority. Correct. So expanding mm -hmm. on that, I think, have you ever done a Spartan race? I haven't. I'm planning on doing one in... Well, unless they change it again, it should be in August or September. I'd have to double check the dates, but planning on doing one in August or September. So I'm excited for it. Yeah, I did one when I got out of basic training, once I got done with all that stuff and it kicked my trash. It was awesome. Are you doing the one up in uh, Eden, Utah? Uh-huh. 
yeah, that one that's it sucks. It's on a ski ski resort. So let it's, me double check. Actually, I'm trying to remember now. I'm pretty sure Eden sounds familiar. I love it up there, which is one of the reasons why I said yes to it. Uh-huh. <clears throat> if it is, it's, it, it's a on a ski area. slope on on a ski at a ski resort, and I think it's like a 1500 foot elevation change from start to uh, middle, and then you you end back down at the entryway. Anyways. Why I bring up Spartan race is because I think that there's a phenomenon that we have been seeing in that challenge that human beings need challenge. And the Spartan race offers that like those kind type of ultimate obstacle courses offer that kind of challenge. Yeah, no, exactly. And I think to me, it's human nature to go after challenge. Mm-hmm. it's more uh, more natural to always have that opposition in life than it is to just have everything handed to us to be lazy to whatever it might be every day we wake up our alarm goes off we start with opposition just like uh admiral mccraven in his book make your bed for the very first thing we do in the morning is opposition and that's how we grow and better ourselves. If everything was just handed to us on a silver platter, we would, I mean, you've seen the movie Wally, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we would all be 500 pounds and living in a hover pod that takes us wherever we want to go, feeds us, and does everything else for us. Like, that doesn't even sound enjoyable to me. Yeah, one of my favorite scenes in that movie is actually the end credit scenes where you start to see them like get fit and take care of themselves and hunt and fish and build things and become a community. And they're like slowly losing that weight and slowly looking like um, humankind intended to look like when we actually put our hands to work. That's one of my favorite scenes is the end credit scenes in that movie. Okay. So going, let's go with that. You, you had the, the, the concept of muscle growth and brain growth, growth intrigued you. Do you want to talk about that for a second? Yeah, no. So, I mean, obviously the brain's a muscle. It's a muscle tissue inside of your skull, just like every other muscle in your body. How does that muscle grow? Well, if I want to get bigger biceps, I got to put in the work and do my curls, got to do, you know, more pull-ups, more push-ups, whatever it might be to get the bigger biceps, the bigger triceps, the bigger legs. And it's the same thing when it comes to our mental strength or mental growth (laughs) is reading books, studying in school, whatever your job might be, becoming the best at that that position that you're in, you're going to have to study for it. You're going to have to put in the work to, to build your mental uh, capacity towards whatever topic or item you're uh, looking into. So it's, I mean, it's an easy concept. And if anybody's lived longer than 10 years, you understand at least the basics of it. If you want to run faster, you got to run. If you want to be able to walk 10 miles, you got to start at five miles. It's just the basic concept that I think we all start to understand from the time we're, we're infants and toddlers. We might not actually grasp the concept until we're a little <clears throat> older in life, but you know what I mean? It's just mm-hmm. a supernatural instinct to have the the struggle to build the muscle and it's the same thing with our mental uh, our mental strength 
Yeah. And I like that because we're, well, we, Mark Manson, he wrote a book called The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fu. And um, great everything book. is, is great it's a fantastic book. book. And uh, his second book, Everything is Effed. Anyways, he, in the, in, he's a psychologist and a very unorthodox one at that. But in an interview, we'll reference that a lot in this podcast. But he talked about that concept of wanting to challenge yourself. And he said, when, when things are easy, it's hard to know what to hope for. And, that, and it can be a reason why there's so much anxiety and depression and, and, and suicide on the rise is because in all honesty, life is a lot, it's a lot harder to find that challenge. It's a lot harder to find that meaning because life is a lot easier. We don't have to worry about getting killed by a bear or starving or freezing to death. We have our basic needs met. And when those are met, we therefore need to find more meaning and find, I guess, greater meaning, not more meaning, but greater meaning. Is that, am I making sense? Oh yeah, no. Um, have you ever watched this show Alone? Oh, Naked and Afraid, is it Alone or Naked and Afraid or whatever? There's one called Alone. Let me look really quick. I don't remember who produced it. So, I mean, they're, they're ongoing. They're currently probably making or filming one right now. Oh, okay. Um, I have not. Either way, I have not seen any of those. So it's on the, the History Channel, History Network. Okay. Um, basically, what they do is they pick, I don't, depends on the season, but they pick 10 to 20 people who, belie- who these people believe they're survivalists, mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. the idea or the concept behind the show is they get dropped in the, in the wilderness. Uh, a lot of them have been... Um, up in the Arctic, up in Canada. Uh, they had one down. I don't even remember where the first few seasons were. You'd have to look into where they actually uh, filmed them, but they drop them there in the wilderness with a camera and they have to record their their survival. And uh, most of the people going in, so like I said, they believe they're survivalists where they're like yeah i got this i'm gonna be out there for 100 days no you know i gotta provide food shelter water whatever all from all by myself no help everything is you know fought for well come 25 30 days into it there's probably six left would be the average on all of these seasons of alone so out of 20 people only six are left after 25 days And it's, you know, they have this idea that they are the best and that they can accomplish this task of surviving the longest. So if they survive the longest, they get X amount of dollars. And that's kind of what pushes them to keep going. And they don't know who else is left, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Every time I watch this, I laugh because you get the people who are super cocky and everything's you can tell everything's kind of come easy to them they're like oh yeah i can build a fire but when you watch them build a fire they got you know boy scout fluid whatever you want to call it starter fluid you know <laughs> like there's there's so much cockiness they're not humble and the people who are the humble ones and they're like yeah i think i think i'll be okay i think i can do this i you know trained a few times for this type of thing they're usually the ones that make it to the end 
but they're also the ones that have that mental strength going mm-hmm. into it to realize <clears throat> this is going to be harder than anything I've ever done before. Whereas the people who are cocky are like, I got this in the bag. They haven't prepared for it mentally. And so they go into it already weak. Yeah. If that makes sense. But like, you should watch the show and you'll, you'll see what I'm talking about. It, it goes along with this perfect. Cause it just shows. Yeah. You've got to be physically strong at, to, to do most of these things. You got to have that, mm-hmm. that capability of actual physical strength, but if you're not mentally prepared for it or mentally uh, mentally fit you're you're out in 24 hours yeah it's it's amazing like no matter what the the mind and the spirit atrophy just like the muscles in the body can atrophy and if you're never challenging you're challenging yourself and always putting yourself in very comfortable very predictable situations your mind and your spirit will never grow and you'll never know your true limitations and kind of going like I've been to a lot of different schools in the military to where you think the tough guys are like going to rock it and kill it. And the second it gets cold, the second a little rain and a little snow come and you're just soaking wet for 12, 14 hours straight. Those are the guys that cave the quickest is because things have been the easiest for them the whole time. They've relied on that physical strength. And when their mental strength is tested, they collapse. And it's that same concept. It, it, it blows my mind. It's also almost, it's predictable. Almost. You're like one, two, three, four, just based on their personality and by their appearance. So true. I mean, <clears throat> yeah, there's definitely, <laughs> don't get us wrong. There's definitely those people who have done both and they have prepared for it physically and mentally. Oh, totally. Totally. You look at them and you're like, okay, this guy's got it. But like you said, there's those who, they might go to the gym six hours a day and look like they're the most fit person in the world. But the minute that they actually come under some type of physical stress or mental stress, sorry, that's when they cave and they, they just give up and it becomes too hard for them. The minute it starts to snow or it starts to rain, they're done. Yep. They don't have that show muscles. Yeah, exactly. They, they're more flight than they are fight. Definitely. Okay, so I think that that plate kind of laid a good foundation about where we want to take this conversation because we're talking about that vertical relationship, right? And there's some controversy to this, but atheism is on the rise to more, more or less, which isn't bad. It's, it's your belief. It's whatever. But what does that mean? Like we, we need to understand what an atheist mentality means compared to your orthodox religious men. Uh, mindset um okay yeah i mean so yeah i mean what is atheism it's no belief in a a higher power or uh an evil or satanic power so you don't believe in god and you don't believe in the devil and you talk to most people i mean there i'm sure there's actual atheists out there who have the idea that neither exists but you talk to most people and when something bad happens they curse god or something bad happens and they're like oh i'm going to hell so are Mm -hmm. they really atheists because if you believe in one you have to believe in the other but when you believe in or with the belief of atheism you don't have either belief and we are i mean yeah i believe in science 100 but we are salamanders at the beginning and by the time we die 
we die. You know what I mean? We evolution created everything. Everything was uh, abides by the laws of physics and that there's nothing in between. Mm -hmm. And most people, when you talk to them, do not have that actual belief of atheism. Interesting. Yeah, and I think I think atheism, and this is coming from someone who's Christian. Yeah, it's interesting. <clears throat> I like that a lot, actually. Oh man, there's so much, so much we could touch on with with that idea of of the you call it the God belief, right? God, God value. Yes. God value. Sorry. Yeah. No, yeah. No. So. I mean, obviously, we're a political podcast, so let's touch on it. So I don't believe in God. But because of that, though, the next highest power to a God would be the government and the people who are in the government. Mm -hmm. So do we worship the government like we do a God? Is that our church on Sunday? Is that where we pay all of our tithes, our offerings to? You know, like we're... How far does this this God value come in when it comes to people uh, believing in the government or or worshiping the government? I guess I'll say it that way. I think it comes in pretty pretty hardcore because when in any family gathering, what are the two faux pas topics, the two taboo topics that you don't ever touch? Religion and politics, right? Like those are the two things you stay away from. And that's because I think... T- those are the two things people can become so dogmatic and religious about. And whether it's a Orthodox religion is like Christianity or being Jewish or Muslim or an unorthodox religion to where, yes, you may not be worshiping every Sunday on a regular basis and paying your tithings, but you're putting all your effort and your energy into government policies, into lobbyists, into donating to your, political party whether that to be the GOP or the Democratic Party it's where are you putting all of your resources into and it can be politics can be just as religious as Christianity sorry what is the definition of religion are you asking me or are you looking that up I'm looking it up so they have three different definitions with the Oxford uh, Dictionary. So the first one, the belief in and worship of a superhuman controlling power, especially a personal God or gods. Number two, a particular system of faith and worship. And number three, a pursuit or interest to which someone ascribes supreme importance. And so politics would fall under that third definition. Even, even the second one, depending on yeah. how, how far you take it. <laughs> right. And so that, that's kind of what I find ironic about atheism, especially in, in, the, in the popular, not the popular, the more um, common vernacular of it is it's just as religious. And, and that's human nature. We want to find meaning. We want to find belief. We want to find guidance in a higher power. And that comes back down to that vertical relationship. How high does that vertical relationship go? Is it limited by just solely Washington, D.C.? Or does it supersede Washington, D.C.? 
And I think that's why the First Amendment was there is that the founding fathers understood that, again, we needed that higher power that was above government, that was above governmental power. They saw the limitations of what a tyrannical government could do. And that's why they, they founded the United States. Exactly. I mean, that sort of the third definition, like we said, a pursuit or interest to which someone ascribes supreme importance. So our founding fathers broke away from England, from the British, because, yeah, they might have professed or claimed to have a religion, but really it was the king saying, worship me, bow down to me and do everything I say. So you've got this group of people who will go out and they will die for that person and not for a higher belief or a belief in a, a good for all people. It's the king told me to do this. I love the king. I worship the king. So I'm going to go out and do this. I don't, Honestly, that's what it is. It's not them believing in a higher power. They're not fighting for the Catholic faith or the Protestant faith or the whatever faith it might be they're fighting for that specific person yeah and i think that's what really kind of comes down to let's let's talk about the cold war for a second the main ideological differences in that in that war we're all debate semantics and debate like whether or not that was like the red scare we're not even going to go into that but the two ideologies that were at were at um war were really the capitalistic ideology or the American ideology of God, family, country, that, that kind of vertical relationship, or Stalinism and Leninism, and that socialistic, communistic structure to where Mother Russia is king. Mother Russia, you do everything and sacrifice everything for Mother Russia. We're seeing that difference now with China and the re-education camps that they're putting their, their Muslim population through. Why are they doing that? Because that population believes in something higher than the Chinese Communist Party. They understand that and they're trying to suppress that and nip it in the bud. That's the dangerous behind worshiping the government versus versus worshiping something higher than the government. I haven't I haven't even gone in to look about these education camps. Has there been any updates, any news on on what that's looking like over there in China? I think it's just the same, kind of same status quo of what it's what it's been for the last couple of years. Um, on that article I posted on our website, um, vertical relationships. I kind of link to some articles on those that you can. I think they're the Uyghurs. I think that's what they're called. It's not spelled Uyghur, but that's how you pronounce it. I think. But yeah, if you just go to that article, and that that's anyone listening can go to youngrepubs.com and visit the blog. Um, vertical relationships that'll be the article that i wrote on that and i kind of talk about that there okay but yeah it's just really interesting that we're we're seeing that that communistic ideology that government is god ideology in in, in today it's it's not it's not cold war theory anymore cold war history that is happening today kind of going back to to the easiness of life and having challenge there's this um there's this term called the paradox of choice and basically it's paralysis by analysis when we have so many choices 
in our life and so many easy choices to make, we will always be second guessing because when we choose something, okay, let's, for example, how long does it take to find a movie on Netflix? <laughs> right? Depends on the night. <laughs> depends on how, it depends on the night. Just go to any streaming service. We have so many amazing choices. But growing up, I watched the same movies over and over and over again. And I love them. I love the Lord of the Rings. I could quote. Still still some of the best ones, huh? I know. They're just still amazing. And I, it's just amazing how much I can quote that. And the same comes with the music. I, I, I the, the songs and the albums I listened to growing up, I still have memorized. And now sometimes I'm, I'm scrolling at the gym trying to figure out what is the perfect tune to listen to. And Hercules, it never duh. Her, oh, duh. Stupid. <laughs> Why don't I think about that? But it, so, that, so that's paralysis. That, that's the paradox of choice on a micro level. Now take that a little up a step further. We have so many opportunities for career choices, right? We have so many different career paths we can take. And a lot of the times we'll pick a career path. And then what happens? We have a midlife crisis. Did I do this right? Did I do this wrong? Did I like, we'll always be second guessing whether or not we chose the right career. And that comes from a paradox of choice that comes from not challenging the individual. So the definition of the paradox of choice is it's an observation that having many options to choose from rather than making people happy and ensuring they get what they want can cause them to stress and problematize decision-making. I heard a quote, an amazing quote this, this last week about, you know, who doesn't care about these Chinese cartoons and Dr. Seuss books? It's China. China doesn't care. Good times make, no, no, good men make good times. Good times make weak men. Weak men make hard times. Hard times make good men, good men. And then it's just kind of this cycle, right? We have been in such a easygoing cycle, an easygoing lifestyle that we start nitpicking. And I think this is kind of where cancel culture comes. We're looking for anything and everything to complain about because we really don't have meaning as a society, as a culture. And we've lost that vertical relationship that God, family, country has. I like how you said as a society, we've, we've lost uh, the vertical relation in the fact that right now, culture is such a thing that if I offend somebody, the best way to, to go about it is to make it easier on them, to make it so their life is easier. And like we talked about last week is mm, yeah, shutting down the ideology or the, the concept of whatever it might be. I mean, there's so many examples of it. But because I said this, you don't like it. The easiest way to go about it is by canceling everything that I just said or <clears throat> Dr. Seuss because he's racist. We'll just cancel him rather than let's read the books and find some common ground here. Let's just cancel it because that's the easiest thing to do. And guess what? People are getting away with it. So it's not going to get any better because that's the easy, the easy route. The easy thing to do is to do that. Whereas 
working our our mental strength our mental abilities to learn to grow to uh to cooperate to become a united people again it's easier just to cancel the other side because we don't like them yeah yeah exactly it got me thinking i wrote this down a while ago on a little sticky note about what like what people do when they're challenged and and coming from like a personal trainer, just a fitness background. When people are challenged, a handful of reactions occur, right? They can complain and like seek for sympathy from their personal trainer. They can't lift the weight off their chest. They, they can complain and just like, Hey, help me out, blah, blah, blah. Or they can get mad and fight against the resistance. They just stupid and just drop the weights and just forget this. I'm never like lifting weights is stupid, getting strong, stupid, or they can accept it and work with the challenge. And that, and that, that principle, I think, goes from weightlifting all the way up to the politics. We can complain about an idea and seek for people to like just remove the idea that is challenging our paradigm. We can get mad at, mad at it and try to burn it in everyone that supports it. Or we can accept it as an idea, as an ideology, and either work with it or find ways to fortify your stance, fortify your argument and saying, what if I'm wrong? What if everything I believe, what if it's all wrong? What if I, I'm just the worst person in the world because I've thought this way and really accepting that that is a possibility. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I've, have you ever done that? That is a good question. I mean, it's there a scary are... question. It, it is a scary, scary question. A scary question. If you if you haven't read the book Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink, then you're missing out on a lot. Yes. And of course, it's I mean it's a an everyday battle, an everyday struggle where just like what you said, someone has a different idea. Say you're getting you're getting written up at work for something that your administration, HR, another coworker, whatever it might be, saw you do something, you <clears throat> filled out the wrong uh, purchase order. You, you know, there's so many different examples of what this could be, but you did something wrong at work. In your mind, no, you did everything right because that's the way you were trained to do it. That's the way you were taught to do it, but you did it wrong. So now you're getting written up. You're getting reprimanded for it. In our natural instinct, what we want to do as a, as a human being, so if you're not a human being, then you can you know block this next part out. But what we want to do, more liberal, what we want to do is <laughs> what we want to do is what we want to do as human beings is say, no, I did not do anything wrong. I did everything I was trained to do. I did everything I was taught to do. So I did nothing wrong. I won't accept your reprimand. I won't sign the written, whatever it might be, because I did everything right. But maybe you did do something wrong. Maybe you did fill out a port purchase order wrong. Maybe you stocked the shelf wrong. Maybe you cooked the wrong burger. Maybe you type the report wrong but in your mind because you did it all it's automatically correct and we look at it that way because we don't want to accept failure 
as an option. We don't want to be in the wrong ever. But as we open up our minds and see what the other person's saying, I mean, hopefully you don't get written up on the first mistake. Hopefully it's a verbal warning and they tell you, hey, this is what you did wrong. Maybe fix it for next time. Hopefully you learn from that time. So you, you, you know, it doesn't go on a strike mark towards your career, but we need to open up our minds and, and realize that we are not perfect and that we need to take ownership for our, for our mistakes and for whatever we're doing. So if someone comes to me and says, your political belief is completely wrong and this is why, even as long as you give them the opportunity to express their opinion and to open up and to explain to you with actual evidence of why your belief is wrong, you should question it. And then if they present all the evidence and it's still wrong, then yeah, you can be right. But until you can take that ownership and open up and, and listen to what they have to say, you're you're still in the wrong even if you're in the right in the first place but if you don't give them the opportunity to let you question your own belief you're you're technically in the wrong if that makes sense i kind of rambled on there for a minute but no i i yeah there's this one story in that book where he talks about the ceo i can't remember the ceo didn't explain something clear enough and the ceo's management team couldn't accomplish their their warehouse quota for whatever reason and so the ceo for the on the ceo's extreme ownership end the ceo needed to own the fact that they didn't explain the process and explain what was expected clear enough but on the on the on the flip side it was the management team's fault for not going to the ceo and asking for clarification but rather working with ambiguous direction unnecessarily and so it goes both ways right i think that's kind of what you're saying right yep yeah and two things came to mind when you're talking about that one was an eastern philosophy that i heard a while ago it basically says the warrior faces death with absolute resolve the warrior accepts the limitations of his skills accepts the limitations of his finite existence in the infinite reality of things. And that doesn't mean the warrior doesn't try. That doesn't mean the warrior doesn't fight and the warrior doesn't try to, to do what do, do their duty. But when all comes said and done, we all die, right? We all, we all have that, that, that meeting with death. So that was one thing that I thought. And then the second thing that I thought of was, have you read the poem, the gods of the copybook petting? Have you heard that? I haven't never even heard of it. It's a fantastic poem by, oh, I can't, I think Kipling, something Kipling. I'll post it in the show notes. It's, it's a fantastic poem, but the God, the, the copybook headings back forever ago, they're, they were basic penmanship tools that everyone had that had basic, basic truths that people could just write and practice their penmanship with. An example would be like water is wet 
fire will burn, just basic, simple truths. And how this poem is about how when we move away from basic, simple truths, what does society look like? And then truth ultimately wins. So I'll read, I'll just read the last stanza. It's just four lines, but this is kind of what I thought about when you're talking about that extreme ownership. <clears throat> and okay. And that after all this is accomplished and the brave new world begins, when all men are paid for existing and no man must pay for his sins, as surely as water will wet us, as surely as fire will burn, the gods of the copybook headings with terror and slaughter return. And basically that's saying like, no matter how much we fight against it, truth wins out, nature wins out. We can fight and fight against all and have all these abstract beliefs and abstract and marrying the ocean and going and consummating our marriage with, with, with said ocean. But in the end, like truth and like prevails. That's what this whole poem is about. Oh, I was just going to say, I like the second pair or the second to last paragraph on that poem as it will be in the future. It was at the birth of man. There are only four things certain since social progress began that the dog returns to its vomit and the sower returns to her mire and the burnt fool's bandage finger goes wobbling back to the fire. I mean, I, you hear it all the time. When you're born, you eat, you poop, you sleep. Before you die, you eat, you poop, you sleep. It's a cycle of life, the cycle of man. And so will it be with the government, with any organization, whatever it might be, we, we will stray from the path, whatever that path might be, but then we will realize where the wrong was and we will correct it till we get back to the path. And then we'll stray from the path and then we'll correct it back to the path. Over and over again, it's going to happen. It's just, that's the cycle of life and the, the way it's going to be. <laughs> Yeah, we either bend to nature's rule or we break ourselves fighting against it, right? Yeah, I, I highly encourage that poem. Like, I think it's a fantastic philosophical and just deep meaning poem. But, I'm going to go yeah. marry the ocean now because I read this yeah, poem. Yeah, screw the ocean. I'm going to go marry the mountains. <laughs> that's Utah true i don't like man. water that much so utah mountains are gorgeous frick if you haven't but, been to utah you should come visit yes yeah yeah it's it just that's a that's a skill i think we've lost is being able to challenge our mental fortitude those those brain muscles we we've kind of lost that ability and it's not easy it's not comfortable to to think hard and to really put everything you believe into question yeah that's that's a good that's a good stop and spy in this kind of we can go in for forever about this and it's just something i've i think we've we've been thinking about that needs to be addressed is just remembering that 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 vertical relationship what what is it that you value and as dave rubin says is don't make government in your life don't like take a break from it let your weekends be your weekends. Stop consuming yourself with the woes of, of policy and government. Have, have a break from it. Have something more meaningful than 
than the next election cycle. Right. I seen the the notes that you shared with me. God first, family second, country third. Is that is that something that that Mark Manson said? Um, no. I I I can't remember in that interview. But he what he did say was if you don't believe in God, you will believe in something. Yeah, I like how you had that worded on there though. Whatever that that spirituality, the belief, whatever it is that you believe in, as long as it's not a physical or a governmental power, money, government, worldly possessions, that's what needs to come first. Your God's first, family second, then your country comes next. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's what I love about the American philosophy if you will is that it has that built into it that understanding that it's american power is finite and it is very limited to what the super the the more superior beings have and we can either work with it or we can work against it whatever that is visit our website we have some article we have at least an article a week posted at youngerpubs.com Follow us on Locals, Instagram, and Parlor now at The Young Repubs. And find us on Facebook, Grow That Community, at The Young Republicans. So, until next week, next time, adios. Ah, There we go, there it is. <laughs>